scripture reading today will be from John 6, 25 through 40 on page 9 of your worship folder. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered him, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Well, what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is the word of the Lord. I got some nods, so I thought it was on. <laughs> Thanks for letting me be back. It's good to be back with you and to be audible in front of you. It's great. Uh, I wanted, as I say, to open up this scripture in John chapter 6 because I think Jesus deals with here a few questions that we should ask ourselves from time to time and, and from time to time that we need answering and answering correctly. The first question that we, we might sometimes check is uh, why come to Jesus? What are we doing here? Why do we follow Jesus? Why has our heart been stirred up to follow him? A lot of people follow Jesus uh, because they want some earthly blessing, something to make their lives more comfortable, fruitful, maybe pleasant uh, in the here and now, some prayer or need for right now that, that they want answered desperately. They, they need something solved. They want something good. And they know that Jesus has the power to give it to them. The people in this narrative know that power. They have experienced that power. 
they have followed Jesus to the other side of the lake here because they have just received his power in their own lives the day before. If you want to read the wider story in the whole chapter later, uh, go back a little bit and you will see that Jesus just fed 5,000 men plus all women and children that would have been there too, as we read in the other Gospels. Uh, from five loaves and two fishes. These people know that he has power to sort things out in their lives. But Jesus here preaches against that simplistic kind of earthly kind of prosperity kind of gospel uh, as, as to why we would seek just earthly blessings from him. Look at verse 26. Jesus answered them and he said, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. They had a good feed. As much as they wanted, if you do glance back to about verse 11, they had as much as they wanted. But now it's the next day and they probably need more. And they know that Jesus has the power to give them more. But they can't seem to see the more important truth that Jesus' miraculous power is pointing to, like, like a signpost pointing to, uh, but they're just operating at a more basic level of, of what they need. Uh, they know that their lives can be blessed by this Jesus fellow. And if you trace the story back even a little bit further to, to chapter two, uh, verse 2 of this chapter, uh, they've only just experienced that feeding miracle because they'd been following him for all his, all his other miracles, but he had been healing all of their sick. And so they're following him because there's no doubt about it. They're living it and experiencing it. Jesus has the power to make our lives right now blessed. And that is the answer, the, the sum total answer in a, in a lot of people's hearts as to why they are following Jesus today. Because he does have the power to, to bless their life right now. Jesus wants people to hear the truth, the deep truth here. Very truly, I tell you, they're following him for the wrong reasons. His miracles of provision aren't what we should be following him for. They are signs of something far, far greater. And here in our text, he goes on to teach us what that is. The reason that we should come to Jesus is because he wants to give us eternal life eternal life. He, he may well, though, grant blessing or prosperity or comfort in this life from time to time, but that's not his ultimate desire for us. He calls us to him so that we may have life forever. Verse 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. What a promise. What a promise Jesus offers us. We should question our hearts when we hear these words from Jesus here. This teaching is not written here in this scripture for us to just sit and make commentary on those guys in the narrative. We should question our hearts. Why have we come to Jesus? Are we seeking earthly things and, and only earthly things that are all going to eventually spoil and perish and fail? Or are we following Jesus for this enduring power that he has for us, this, this power that's going to lead to eternal life? The second question, the, 
that Jesus raises here and, and answers here is what do we have to do when we do come to Jesus to get this eternal life from him? I mean, we've got to get this right, don't we? There could not be a bigger thing at stake here for us to receive from Jesus. So, so what do we need to do to make sure that we get some of this eternal life? The people in the text ask it for us in verse 28. Uh, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. It's all going to come to us from Jesus' side of the equation. So we come to Jesus for eternal life and all we must do to receive it is trust him to give it to us. And that should also have us checking our hearts, don't you reckon? Like, like have we actually just trusted that Jesus is going to do this? Just give us this eternal life? Or is there a small part of us, way down deep in our spiritual subconscious, that, you know, is just trying to, to shore that promise up a little bit? By doing and being good, have we really let go of everything, counted all of it as rubbish and, and just left it all to Jesus? Do we really accept that, uh, you know, the work of God for our eternal life is simply this, to, to, to trust in Jesus, whom he sent, to give it to us? If you think about it long enough, you realise Jesus is asking a lot of trust from us on this point, isn't he? This is a big thing to ask everyone who trusts him for, which opens up, I think, a third question that, that he's really getting to is, is can we, can we trust him? Because we've absolutely got to be sure that we've got this right, don't we? There's no second chance draw on this stuff. This is our shot at eternal life. And he wants us to pin all of our hope for on him. So can we trust him in this? Well, his words are pretty clear. Jesus unequivocally says yes to that question here. In fact, he makes this whole thing all about him as the only one that we can trust. He tells us in verse 27 that he is the one who can give the food to us that will give us eternal life. When he says son of man, he's talking about himself. And he says here that God the Father has put his seal of approval on him to be the one who will give us this food that leads to eternal life. But as I say, that's a big ask, isn't it, of us to just trust him, entirely trust him with this. Most cosmic of consequences especially when you think that the point in question here, this, this, this concept of eternal life that our hearts are longing for, it is for you and I entirely in the unseen realm, isn't it? How can we be sure that Jesus isn't just all talk, stringing us along? The crowds verbalise again the difficulty of trusting Jesus with what can't be seen. Verse 30, what sign then will you give us that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? And they refer back to their old, old history of long ago that, you know, they were sustained by God in the wilderness through his provision of these 
There's little flakes of bread called manna that fell from heaven every day that, that he won. Our ancestors, they ate wild, uh, the manna in the wilderness over the desert. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. That's another wonderful miracle story. If you want to follow it up, it's in Exodus chapter 16, a very famous part of their history as God's people in the Old Testament when they were being led through the desert by Moses after having been rescued from slavery in Egypt. And God sent little flakes of bread from heaven to feed them. And every morning they would go out and gather up these little flakes of bread and they survived by God's provision like that. And they were tangible, tangible little flakes of the evidence of God's goodness. But Jesus pulls them out of history and out of the tangible in that sense of, of an earthly way of thinking about God's goodness. No, this was centuries ago, he says. That's that bread was just for them, for that earthly time and place. That's all that was. Moses didn't give you people bread, did he? But God is offering you bread from heaven right now, if you want it. The free bread from heaven. Isn't that past tense manna stuff that was falling in the wilderness and manna was gathering, uh, Moses was gathering for you? The, the free bread is what God sends from the, the, the heavens to give life to the world. Life, eternal life. Then Jesus declared, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus proclaims himself to be the answer to everything we need. Such that if we do come to him and believe in him, we're never going to go hungry or thirsty again. In, in this metaphor that he strikes up this time, that he is the bread of life. It's obviously a metaphor, isn't it? I mean, Jesus isn't literally bread that we could slice and butter and eat and so on, you know. Nor is he either speaking about our literal hunger and thirst. He's using a metaphor, as he so often likes to use, and we can see that clearly enough. He's using a metaphor to teach us about spiritual truths that we can't tangibly see yet. And yet, as we process his teaching, we also come to see that this, this metaphor he's using isn't at all, you know, grey or shadowy or wishy-washy or, 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 or hazy in any, in any way. This is the true substance. It was the tangible, physically tangible manner in the wilderness that was the figury, figury kind of shadowy kind of stuff. That was, that, was, that was the metaphor pointing to the true substance, the true bread from heaven that God the Father had sent to give life to the world in the person of Jesus standing right in front of them. If you need, he says, you can trust me. I am the true bread from heaven. How many? About 15 times, I reckon, but there's probably more. Uh, I lost count. 15 times from that last paragraph that we looked at in verse 35 to 40, Jesus continues to hammer the first person pronoun to focus us entirely on him as the one who's completely in charge of this question of eternal life. Verse 35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. 
But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those who have given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. He is in charge of this question and so on and so on for the rest of the chapter if you want to continue reading it later along uh, this afternoon and I encourage you to do it. Good chapter. Jesus doesn't hold back on this promise in any way, shape or form. He declares relentlessly through this chapter that yes, yes we can trust him because this is who he is. This is what he came to do. This is entirely his to do. It is the Father's will that we should come to Jesus and trust in him for this. It is the Father's choice to make Jesus the one who, who in whose hands we all need to be in. It is the Father's will that Jesus should be the one who will raise people up into this eternal life at the end of all of this. Anyway, that's what Jesus says. <laughs> what do you reckon? I mean, what do you think? As you read those words, can you trust him? Can, can we trust him? Can, can, we, can we let go of everything instinctive in us? It's hardwired into us to, to try to secure eternal life for ourselves, isn't it? Can we let go of all that stuff and, and, and everything we might think we have to do and just, just trust Jesus that that bread from heaven just fell out of the sky to, 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 to give us eternal life? Well, Jesus has spoken comprehensively so. But he hasn't given these people anything tangible to latch on to. Not in this passage, that is. But of course, if you do read further later, <laughs> this flows on from so much tangible truth that he has given them but they just can't see it. All the earthly miracles that he's been performing, the healing, the feeding, walking on water and so on and so on, they were all to testify that yes, Jesus has the power and authority from God to also give us the eternal life that we cannot yet tangibly see. Some of his greatest signs to help us on this particular question, I reckon, <laughs> Probably the way that he raised dead people to life. Dead people to life. Like in chapter 11, if your reading gets that far this afternoon. Dead people. Four days dead and decomposing in a tomb. Jesus raises them to life. But the even greater sign that testified to the, to the truth and the trustworthiness of all of Jesus' words here in chapter 6, it comes in chapter 20 when Jesus himself was raised from the dead. Raised by the Father in physical, physical tangible, bodily, flesh and blood form for, for so many people to see. And all of his words now carry power and authority and truth. Can we trust Jesus on this? Well, God the Father himself says yes. 
Jesus keeps pushing on with this bread from heaven teaching, by the way, and I do encourage you to read it through the rest of the chapter this afternoon, but I want to pick out just a few verses that you'll hit upon if you do keep reading. Just to get underneath Jesus' metaphor a little bit, this bread from heaven idea, how this all hangs together. Jesus interprets the metaphor for us if you drop down to verse 51. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. This bread from heaven is my body, which I'm going to give for the life of the world. Jesus is talking about how he died for our sins. And that is the whole heart of the gospel. That is the heart of Christianity. Jesus died for our sins. And so what he's, he's explaining here and saying here right here in chapter 6 is if that we want eternal life, we need him to die for our sins. His body on the cross is what God the Father has put forward for our eternal life. Our forgiveness in Jesus Christ crucified is the doorway into eternal life for you and I. There's no other door open. Not only can we trust that Jesus has, has died for our sin and paid for our, our sin in, in his crucified body to, to open up this door to eternal life, but even more so, the scripture teaches, we must, we must trust that he has paid for our sins if we want that life. We must. Verse 53, he says, very truly I tell you, unless... Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. You have no life in you. Again, with the metaphor there, but what Jesus means is that we, we must trust in his death for our sins if we're going to have eternal life. Verse 29 in our, in our reading, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Have you ever yet come to Jesus? Or if you've been following Jesus for, for some other reason, then, then you need to hear what he himself is teaching in this chapter here, in this text we've just read. He has come to give you eternal life. He has come to give you eternal life. I don't know whatever, whatever else you've been interested in, but he has come to give you eternal life, and only he can give it to you. Unless you come to him and trust in his death for your sin, then you have no eternal life in you. Yet. So, will you then believe? Will you heed his teaching here and put aside everything else that you are thinking of or trying to do and, and just trust that he has died for your sins and receive eternal life? I mean, if all we have to do is, is believe, to, to just trust in this, then, man, it's yours today. It is yours today. If you want it. On the other hand, if you have come to Jesus and you know these things, you have put your trust in him for precisely this reason of eternal life and forgiven sins, you need to get excited about Jesus' words here. Hear these things afresh today. The, the cosmic scope of what he came to do for you today. You're going to have various ups and downs. Spoiler alert, if you haven't already. You're going to have various ups and downs in this life in the meantime while you're waiting. But you will never go hungry or thirsty when it comes to this question. 
this whole spiritual matter of your soul's eternal life with God, you will never be wanting. You will always be satisfied on that score and, and you will never need anything else. Because this Jesus who, who gave his life for you is, is the true bread from heaven. He's the only means that God has ordained for how you or I or anyone else out there can receive eternal life. And so we most surely will receive eternal life through this means that God has ordained for us. Indeed, we already have it. If you get up to verse 54 later, we already have it. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, that is, whoever trusts that I died for their sin, has eternal life. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. What Jesus has given us is ours. Verse 39. Drink that last paragraph in later. Nothing and nobody can take it away from us. This is the Father's good will for us. Eternal life, eternal life in Jesus' name for all who will but believe. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you as always for your scriptures and this, uh, this declaration today by Jesus that he is the bread from heaven. He came to, to, to give us eternal life if we but trust in him. For that, Father, for those who, for those who uh, that hear this and they read this today and they haven't yet come to you, but they, but they want to come to Jesus and trust in him, I pray that you would help them do that. Draw them to Jesus. And as you draw them to Jesus, I pray that you would help them see the real Jesus, to, to fix their eyes on, on the things eternal and look beyond the here again, gone again, earthly kind of situation and just rejoice in Jesus for what he gives that endures forever and the certainty of his promises. And so too, Father, for those who already have come to Jesus, who you already have given to Jesus, I pray that you would help them to take hold of the full assurance of this promise that they are in your hands. Nothing can take us out of your hands, Father. And that eternal life is ours, that Jesus has paid for it and secured for it with his death, and with your approval on this, Father, he's doing this for us as well. We thank you for this teaching that it is Jesus who we need to raise us to eternal life and Jesus who will raise us to eternal life. Teach us to look forward in wonder to that last day, Father, when Jesus will raise us up into eternal life with you. We pray and give thanks for all these things and we ask for your help and your blessings upon us in this week. In Jesus' powerful name.